This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture with me, Dashran Johan, alongside Julia Jacobs and Lim Suen. So we've got one story for you today, Bong Natal. As a community with with a 500-year history here in Malaysia, the Malacca Portuguese have developed their own unique customs and traditions for Christmas celebrations. A virtual Christmas experience called Natal Nakaza aims to recapture and pass some of these on. So we are travelling virtually over to Praia Lane in Malacca and we'll be hearing from one of the event's organisers. Yes, and because we'll be talking about unique Christmas traditions, um, tell us, you know, how do you celebrate Christmas with your friends and family? You can tweet us at BFM Radio or you can also share your experiences with us on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. Yes, that's right. And Christmas is definitely going to be quite different for many of us this year, thanks, of course, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Most of us are keeping the celebrations just within close family. And I think virtual gatherings are also becoming a big part of connecting with other relatives or friends. Yes, and one in and when one particular group of people are using this as an opportunity to highlight their own unique Christmas traditions. So some members of the Eurasian community in Malacca are organizing a virtual event called Tribute to Praia Lane, Natal Nakaza. It is a Christmas celebration that aims to highlight many of the Malacca Portuguese com- uh, unique Christmas traditions and it will be a live event that will be streamed online from a 100-year-old house in Praia Lane in Malacca. And this is happening tomorrow, the 22nd of December at 4.30pm. And to be clear, it is a live event happening on site. The celebration will be happening as you watch it. Yes, yeah, so you know, for a little bit of background and, and I guess a refresher of our school history lessons, um, <laughs> the Malacca Portuguese community traces its roots back to more than 500 years to 1511 when the Portuguese came to Malacca due to the spice trade. So Malacca was under Portuguese rule for 130 years until the Dutch took over um, in 1641. So scholars believe that the Malacca Portuguese community uh, originated mostly from marriages between the Portuguese sailors and soldiers with local women and their descendants have largely inherited the Catholic faith from the Portuguese. So Christmas celebrations are a big part of the community. Yeah, but over the course of these 500 years, the Malacca Portuguese community has also adapted and merged many Portuguese and local customs. For instance, they speak Kristang, which is a Creole language based both on Portuguese and Malay. And many of the dishes have adapted European and Asian elements to evolve into its own cuisine. And while the Malacca Portuguese community was spread out all over Malacca, in present day, the most obvious marker um, of the community is the Portuguese settlement, which was established in 1933. And Christmas is the whole community's most festive time of the year, a time to get together with friends and family and to celebrate by enjoying seasonal dishes. And many of these Christmas traditions have evolved in their own way to become something really extremely unique. Yes, um, but however, there is a worry within the community that many of their their customs and traditions are slowly being lost as more of the community's young people move away and assimilate into other cultures. So with modernization as well, many of the traditional practices of the community are being left behind in favour of more Western ideas of how to celebrate Christmas. Mm, And that would really um, be a pity because these Malacca Portuguese traditions are a living testament to Malaysia's heritage and history. And it is this sense of heritage that tribute to Praia Lane Natal Nakaza hopes to present 
deserve. Um, as well as just to bring a bit of cheer to a year that has not been easy for most of us. <laughs> yeah. um, so to tell us more, we have on Zoom the organiser of this virtual Malacca Portuguese Christmas experience, Martin Tessera. Um, thanks for joining us, Martin. So this virtual Eurasian Christmas celebration is an extension of um, other virtual experiences you've been doing to share the culture of the Malacca Portuguese community. Um, could you tell us how did the idea to do these start? Okay, yes, we only started this year after uh, after the pandemic affected terribly the local tourism industry. And uh, we felt that we we could, I mean, could do something. So we just uh, went to this virtual because I think around the world, virtual is now very, uh, it's, it's very popular. But Malaysia, I mean, Malaysia is actually a bit, uh, I would say, way behind. So that's why we thought, our friends got together and we said, why don't we do a virtual walk of uh, certain interesting places or cooking demo or even tutorials. Besides my walk, the group was also doing earlier walks of the night walks in the old part of Melaka. And they were also doing some other walks in Kampong Morton. This group of friends, but Prilene started only around uh, April. And were you already doing physical tours and experiences before the MCO? Oh, yes, definitely. I was uh, doing physical tours for many years, in fact, for students, for uh, even some groups of, of uh, tourists that come to Kamu Portuguese. And then even for families, uh, I had a, a family who stayed uh, a couple of nights in one of our homestay. And then I took them to a boat. We experienced about how it was uh, to be in a boat and what we can see while we are in the boat. You know, the, the, I, I will explain about the weather, about the, the currents and all that. So it was uh, something that I have been doing much earlier uh, before the, in fact, before the pandemic. So I will conduct the walk and then we will visit the interesting uh, places in Kamu Portuguese. The walks were in Kamu Portuguese, not in Thailand then. Prilene is something we want to try and revive because that place is a place that has got tons of memory, but slowly Prilene is being forgotten. So we want to try and bring back that, that stories and that uh, memories of Prilene. So we've got a few things that is going on to revive Prilene. So coming back to the topic of these walks, yes, I've been conducting walks uh, very, very much for a couple of years already. So speaking of Praia Lane, Martin, what is its significance? I mean, am I correct in saying that it's not actually a part of the Portuguese settlement? Not really. Okay, let me go back into history a bit. See, Praia Lane is part of the uh, uh, suburb of Banahile. Okay, during the, the Portuguese uh, occupation of like, during the Portuguese time, there were four historical settlements before the founding of Portuguese settlement. The first is Trangera. The word Trangera is actually a Portuguese word, meaning kind of wooden fortification outside the fortress. Okay, Trangera was one. And then the number two was Bunga Raya. Bunga Raya was another suburb of the descendants of the Portuguese during Portuguese time. The only thing that remains there to remind that it was a Portuguese uh, suburb is the ruins of St. Lawrence Church fronting Campo Mountain, not far from St. Peter's Church. Number three is the place called Kubu. So Kubu, what you have uh, remaining there is only the street. Uh, the street name, uh, Jalan Portuguese. And then the final one is Banda Hile. Okay, Banda Hile is where Prilene is. So historically, Prilene has been already, a, a, shall I say, a settlement, historical settlement of the descendants before the founding of settlement. The Portuguese settlement was only founded in the 1930s. 
So all activities were actually centered in Frankera, in Bungaraya, Kubu, and Banahile, that is Kralin. Now, what is special about Kralin is we have the Church of the Assumption there, church that has, I mean, played a big role in many of our lives, those who grew up around the church. Because from a young age, we already got involved in church activities. We either joined the choir or the server. And then as we grew up, uh, we became more serious. Uh, I mean, in the sense that we organized festivals, we, we, we did the decoration, and then we had the choir uh, prompt up to, you know, really, and then we did the pageant and a lot of activities. So the Pryline, the main attraction is still the Assumption Church. And that is why the Assumption Church until today, even many people don't live in Pryline, but still attracts a lot of people during its feast day. The Feast of the Assumption on 15 August. Every year the church is packed. Even with the pandemic, there was uh, no celebration, but the tradition of the feast, putting sugarcane as a decoration around the church, we still did that. The community that, that once lived there and those who are still living there got together, we said our prayers, and we carried on the tradition of the sugarcane. Now, let me tell you a bit about the sugarcane uh, tradition. Now, in Prilene, we use sugarcane to decorate the church during the Feast of Assumption only. Why? Because historically, within the fort, there was a cathedral, cathedral of the Assumption. In the, in the fortress during the Portuguese uh, time, there was already a cathedral of the Assumption. Now, this cathedral of Assumption, many of the, I would say, the uh, congregation were members of uh, the, the people that lived in Bandahile area. Now, when the Dutch took over Mecca, obviously they, they um, prohibited strictly the Catholic worship in public. So what happened was, uh, those who were actually uh, celebrating the feast, the people that live in Banli took this celebration into the hinterlands. In Banli was the agricultural uh, area of Noaka then. And basically one of the main crops were, uh, was sugarcane because uh, it was reported that sugarcane was abundant in this part of Noaka Banli. So, uh, what happened was the people took the celebration into the sugarcane plantation away from Dutch authorities in secret to celebrate the feast. So what happened is during the war um, of the Spanish succession uh, in, in Europe, so the Dutch became friendly with the Portuguese against the French. So what happened was in Mecca, they also slowly became more lenient and they allowed Catholic worship. That is why you have St. Peter's Church built in 1710 just towards the end of the 17th century. So the Dutch became more lenient, and then the religion, I mean, the celebration was taken back uh, into maybe the churches. But our elders had this noble idea, wanting to remind the succeeding generation of those difficult years. You can also say the years of persecution in the Dutch time. So what they did was they used sugarcane as a media of a decoration. So when anybody were to ask, why use sugarcane? Isn't this a Chinese uh, custom or tradition? So the story of this time of uh, difficulty in carrying out the faith will be told. So what we do is during our walk, we will explain about the church, about its festivals, about its history, and then a bit of interesting spots in the uh, in, uh, in of the Sunday shop, the tailor shop, and a few prominent families. And we'll end up with a tea session in one of the houses, still standing, wooden house, very, I would say, nostalgic house. So these are the few reasons why we want to do this work in Thailand. And another idea is to try to get people who live there to slowly take up residence because there are a lot of houses there actually for sale. 
some pieces of land also for sale. So what we're doing, what we're doing is we're trying to get maybe um, some help to start up some mini projects like uh, community garden, you know, maybe even slowly get one of the lots to start a mini museum um, to highlight Prylin. And Prylin is where your virtual Christmas experience is going to be happening, isn't it? And, you know, what will this Natal Nakaza feature? Uh, Natal is Christmas. It's quite standard, Hari Natal. Nakaza is at home. Mm. Kaza is house, home. What we will feature in this uh, session is actually, okay, it will start off with, with, uh, with a Christmas card that is uh, dated 1930s, you know, one of the earliest Christmas cards that we have in our possession. At least a photograph of that card. 1930s, uh, not easy to have a Christmas card of that, <laughs> that nature. Uh, 1930s, imagine. So we'll feature that and then I will sing the, the old Christmas Jimri uh, song, uh, the old Christmas card. Obviously, we'll display our Christmas cards that have been sent over the years and tell that Christmas cards are part of our tradition of sending cards to each other. Now it's slowly, in fact, dying or in fact, it's become so rare, dying, in fact, hardly. So this is one thing that we want to try and bring back, you know, to revive this tradition of sending Christmas cards. So what we are thinking is maybe getting our own kids to do our own Christmas cards next year and send, send around. Number two, it will emphasize on the decorations in the hall. Okay, obviously, it will be the Christmas tree, the stocking, and then the Christmas wreath. And finally, we will emphasize on the crib and explain the crib. You know, that was the first Christmas and we'll explain what the crib. And then also very important in uh, in this part, the first session is to tell traditionally how we decorated our house before. You see, those days, we don't, I mean, we didn't have uh, artificial tree. Yeah? We used the Kajuna stocks, Kajuna tree. Why we use the Kajuna tree? Because those days, like I say, uh, people were, were not so rich. They couldn't maybe uh, buy decorations. And what we did was we did what we we could find around the house. So casual tree was quite common those days. Especially at Thailand, there was two big trees. So we used to cut the branches and put in our houses. And the beautiful part about this casual uh, tree is we, we usually will put it on the 23rd of December in the morning. And by midnight, the following night, of the 24th on Christmas Eve and the early morning of Christmas 25th, the smell of the uh, fragrance of the cajurina leaves, uh, the pine, uh, it's like you really uh, get hit by the Christmas chill, you know. It's complain, uh, you no feeling of Christmas. I don't blame them because there's nothing really to, to really give them that chill of Christmas. When we were growing up, that was not one. Preparing, cooking, uh, baking the cakes, carrying the sand, the sea sand from the, you know, to put at our compound. That was all that Christmas build up. But all these things are gone. So we will slowly maybe have to be a bit innovative, creative to slowly try and bring all this back. Maybe have a show house, how Christmas was done then. A house, okay, with the, with the kind of sand. We call it la 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 la. Uh, it's like sea sand made up of broken shells and, and all this and, and seaport and all that. So this is actually part of the tradition, carrying the sea sand to put around the house. And it's actually uh, very nice because after the rain, the whole area becomes white like snow. And then they have the different grades of sand. You can put the rough one at the kitchen for the areas that is a bit wet and a very nice, fine first grade for your front compound. We call it intal. Intal is the compound. And grandmothers were very possessive of not even having one leaf on the compound. Uh, on the pintal, uh, you know? 
Even that one leaf alone, she will go and sweep. I don't remember my grandmother. So it was something traditional, which we cannot do now. Why? Because uh, we don't have that kind of compound. See, for me, I live in a terrace house now. And in the village, we don't have the seafront anymore. But this shell still can be got further down at the Kamo Portuguese at, at uh, Ujong Pasir. So we can still kind of bring this back. Okay, and then it was just streamer and balloons. We didn't have uh, all those fancy, you know, bulbs and even no lights or so. Okay, after that, uh, we will just hear carolers coming to the house. So the carolers will sing and they few songs, then we will kind of welcome them into the house, sit on the makan table, and then we will have the display of the traditional uh, cakes. And then we will adjourn to the hall again to listen to the kids singing carols. And then some, we will slide in some pictures of old uh, Christmas uh, parties. Okay, that timing is quite important. So we will slide in some photos just to uh, show how Christmas was celebrated before. And then after that, we will adjourn back to the, the main table. And then there, we will talk about old memories, old stories of Brian How we used to prepare for Christmas. Like, for example, uh, we used to prepare the pageant for the Midnight Mass. And then, you know, we will talk about uh, how we used to experience that visiting the family in the village, which now is not so like how it used to be before. Before we live in the village, so easy. You walk to your auntie's house, you can walk to your grandmother's house, you walk to your cousin's house. And then when we were a bit teenager, when we have one drink or two, we are tired, we just sleep in one of the house. And after that, it will be uh, Santa Claus again, going back to the hall with the kids giving out presents. Uh, we will end up with uh, a jive by the Santa Claus. And you also mentioned the cakes and food is, of course, a big part of these celebrations. Could you explain a bit more about the kinds of food you'll be featuring? Okay, ours will not feature a lunch or dinner. It will feature more like a tea time so that because of the timing. So we will just uh, have like traditional cakes of this uh, bolo coco, the pineapple tarts, the kueh blanda, the fruit cake, which, which is a new introduction, but uh, and the sasagong, yeah. Now they call it sesagon, but sesagon was actually what my grandmother used to make. And for her, if there's no sesagon, it's not Christmas. So that sesagon is made once a year. Sesagon is actually just rice flour with a bit of egg mixed, sugar, a little bit of salt, and uh, grated coconut. So it's all slowly, they say torah. It's cooked very slowly to a certain uh, color of when it's turning a bit brown. It must be cooked with slow fire. And this is something traditional, which you don't get. Even if you get, it's not, I would say, made homemade. So we're trying to bring all this, this kind of memories of how traditional cakes were made. What we cannot get really, even in Laka, is agaga, the real seaweed. We used to get the seaweed from the island, Pulau Jawa, but this island is no more because it's been reclaimed. And that agaga is what we find. So, Another source is we're trying to find this for next year to do a video on it uh, from Indonesia. Most likely we can get some from there or Sabah. This agaga is a seaweed that makes fantastic jelly. Agaga is jelly. It's already gone because we cannot get and nobody makes it. We will have we'll talk about uh, the traditional cakes, about the recipe, a bit about um, how it was done. Uh, and then obviously it, will not, it won't be tea. It will be FNN uh, related uh, drink. Because those days when we go for for any visiting, it's not tea or you know, obviously we're kids, not not beer or anything. But uh, the FNN orange, and then after explaining about the cakes, about the preparation recipe, we'll talk a bit about how it was done during our parents' time. Our aunties, our mothers got together, 
four or five of them, and they used to sit down at uh, on the kind of ground on school and do their baking, open fire. They used to cut the kerosene tin into half, and then that is actually the baking pan with charcoal fire. And uh, I think they also use yes coconut shell. I remember, and the smell of the baking of the tarts fills the whole kampung. So these are all things that I say. If you smell this, the feeling of Christmas. Now, tarts is baked. My wife baked in the in the oven. It smells nice, but it's not like the smell that you do open open uh, uh, baking. You know, in that kind of uh, zinc uh, container with the natural charcoal fire. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, Martin, and a very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Okay, Merry Christmas in Kristang is Bong Natal. And it's not complete. Bong Natal, Bong Anunubu. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you so much, Martin. Um, uh, that was Martin Tessera, who is the organiser of the Natal Nakaza virtual Christmas celebration that is happening tomorrow, which highlights the Christmas traditions of the Malacca Portuguese community. Yes. Um, so, Suen and I don't celebrate Christmas. You are the one who celebrates <laughs> oh Christmas. Oh dear. <laughs> Putting so you on, on, the, on the spot. spot. Yeah. So maybe you can tell us a bit about you know how you and your family celebrate Christmas. Okay, so uh, there was a time when I wasn't so old and decrepit where we would attend midnight mass. Uh, you know, now we're in bed by 10 o'clock. But um, I guess what we used to do, and especially when we were younger, is like the whole family would attend midnight mass. And then we'd come home and, you know, there'd be the presents opening and, you know, we'd have some fruitcake. I don't know, that's a thing for us. We sound very British, don't we? Um, some fruitcake and, and jam tarts and things like that. You know, we'd just get together. And I guess the, the nicest thing about it was that everyone would come together. Families would come together. My, um, my relatives would all come because my dad's like the oldest brother, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So everyone would come to our house after mass to kind of just hang out, you know, have um, have some treats, have some drinks together and just, just relax. And, you know, it's just a lovely thing. You know, we were all together. And the next day, we just get up late, you know, have roast chicken and, <laughs> you know, go through or play with our games, watch silly uh, TV shows, call the Christmas specials. Yeah, it was just just family. It was just spent at home together. It was really quite lovely, actually. Mm -hmm. I guess it's interesting to see how different, how there are different um, ways to celebrate Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. Between people, like, I think very often what you see on TV is the very Western version. Yes. And then hearing people like Martin or even people around you, you know, you realise that everyone actually has their own unique traditions. Or nowadays, sometimes when you see on social media, people talk about how they're preparing. And then for someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas, you realise that, hey, it's actually not just this one homogenous way of celebrating it but everyone has their own unique spin on things yeah because for some people it's a little bit more towards the uh, religious sort of event Mm -hmm. they do more they focus more on prayers and all whereas for some people it's more of just a cultural thing family Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things right but what do y'all think of virtual christmas celebrations you know Oh, I mean, yeah. for some of us whose relatives are overseas anyway, mm. we've kind of been doing it already. Like I have a sister who is, you know, over, based mm. overseas, right? So we do, we have been doing that all these years because it's hard for them to come back during the Christmas season. So I guess we're used to it. But I think it's going to be really hard for those who are like not visiting their, their grandparents or mm. their elderly parents. You know, I think that's going to be a really tough one. You know, I can't, I, I'm making my dad come and stay with me. I'm forcing him to anyway. But I can imagine it's going to be a pretty difficult one for some. Mm. I think especially if your family is living overseas, right? Because because you might have no choice but to be a part this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. can't come back. Because I, I je- don't usually celebrate Christmas. I usually just, unless like, you know, friends or family have an open house. But this year I did celebrate 
Deepavali, I guess, virtually. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, and and it's just not the same, right? Yeah. Because that those, it's for a lot of us who, you know, maybe we are, we move away from home to work or study and all that. It's like all these big festivals is when, or festive periods is when we really look forward to getting together with the family and also, yeah, might be tough for some people who has to do that, right? Mm. But I guess, unfortunately, because of the SOPs, you know, yeah. to, keep, to keep our family members safe as well. Yeah, um, but, but thank God we have it though, you mm. know. I mean, imagine if we didn't have these, these, <laughs> video calls and you know it wasn't so affordable as it is these now chat groups. these chat groups yeah. these these video calls whatever you know it's so easy to actually stay in touch and to see each other so you can yeah place the laptop at the dinner table <laughs> i don't know i mean thank goodness for some yeah. Yeah, have dinner apart but together exactly exactly <laughs> um but you know if you are interested to watch and participate virtually in natal nakaza and to learn more about these unique malacca portuguese christmas traditions um it is happening tomorrow the 22nd of december um tickets are priced at 40 ringgit each, you can just log on to www.exploremalaysiavirtually.com and look for the event for more details. Um, we'll also be linking it, uh, linking it to our podcast and you can also WhatsApp 014-367-2134 for more details on the event. Yes, and you can keep sending us your thoughts by tweeting us at BFM Radio or you can even WhatsApp 018-789-8899. But that's all the time we have for today's show. If you'd like to get in touch with the Bigger Picture crew, you can find us on Facebook. You just have to search BFM The Bigger Picture. Drop us a message there. And if you missed any part of this show, um, download the podcast. You can search for us bfm.my slash daily digest. You can also uh, look for us on the BFM app or even Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Coming up at 3pm, it's Earth Matters and we will be revisiting an interview that Julia did with conservationist Mariani Ramli who is working hard to rescue and rehabilitate the gibbons. So that's after the 3pm news. Once again, I'm Dashan Johan with Julia Jacobs and Lim Suen and this has been The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.